Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. We're continuing our, our series to sort of focusing on taking up our crosses as we reflect on and prepare for Easter this year. Our, our theme for the year as a church is consecration, the idea of being set apart by God and for God. And part of that involves taking up our cross, denying ourselves and following in the footsteps of Jesus. Last week we looked at Peter who failed to take up his cross and instead denied Jesus three times. But then we wallowed in the grace as God then Jesus then reinstated Peter and forgave him three times. And we saw the way that in the end Peter did take up his cross and follow Jesus. Today we're going to focus on Luke's account of the crucifixion in Luke chapter 23. So if you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn there. And in this passage, it's interesting that there are actually four crosses described. The cross, of course, is the symbol of Christianity, probably the most well-known symbol in the world, the two lines uh, in running across each other, known as the symbol of Christianity. But it's actually quite bizarre when you think about it, how many organisations have a symbol of death as their motto or logo? How many religions tend to compel their followers to wear an instrument of torture on a chain around their neck or to have an instrument of torture put on the walls of their home? Yet that is what Christians do. Crucifixion was very common in the ancient world, in the Roman Empire. It was their, their way of imposing their will in a violent way on, on criminals and also on insurrectionists. So people who were politically disturbing the peace, those who were hardened criminals, murderers uh, were, and so on, were, were crucified. And along the roads in and out of major cities, including the city of Jerusalem, there would have been a string of people being crucified at, at any given time as a way of publicly showing what happens when you cross Rome, when you do something that is contrary to the Roman uh, interests. And you probably know that one of the rituals of crucifixion was that you had to carry your own cross. This is where Jesus picked up the symbolism that you went from the prison where you were being held and you carried your cross, and in this case through the streets of Jerusalem until you got to your appointed place and then they would crucify you on the cross that you had carried. And it seems that Jesus was walking through Jerusalem because of the scourging he had had at the punishment that he had had, he was no longer able to carry his cross. And the, we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 26, that as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him, and made it came carry it behind Jesus. Cyrene was in North Africa, uh, somewhere near Tripoli, and it's quite possible that Simon was a black man, and that was perhaps why, out of all of these crowds of people, the racist Romans chose chose him to to bear this cross. It was not uncommon, though, for a criminal to be unable to bear their cross, and that this was common that they would pluck someone from the crowd, as they did. To poor old Simon. That cross was an unwilling's cross that was, was thrust upon his, his unwilling shoulders and uh, no doubt it was 
embarrassing and humiliating and, and messy and, and, and awful to have that experience of, of carrying this cross. But often in our lives, we find a cross unwillingly cast upon our shoulders as well. You might have heard the saying, we, we all bear a cross. For, for some people, it is an illness that springs up, or perhaps it's a, a lifelong illness that you've struggled with. Perhaps it's a disability that you've either developed or have borne your, your whole life. For some people, they think of their singleness as a cross that they've borne through their life. For others, it's a financial crisis that occurs that becomes the cross that weighs them down. And I know that in our church at the moment, there are a number of parents who have seriously ill children. Uh, And that is a cross. It's not something you expect. It's not something you ask for. It's just something that is, is thrust upon you as you make your way through life. Our instinct sometimes, though, is to cry out, God, this is so unfair. I reckon Simon would have been very tempted to say that. The reason he was in Jerusalem was likely whether he was a a follower of God. We know there was a a synagogue in in Cyrene from Acts chapter 6. And as quite likely, he was a a good, God-fearing Gentile who was in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Great expense, great inconvenience, come to Jerusalem. He's saying to God, I'm, I, I was trying to do the right thing. Why, why are you picking on me? Why am I, out of all of these crowds of people, the one who, who gets this cross thrust upon my shoulders? And that's sometimes our instinct as well, to say, God, this is unfair. Why, why me? Sometimes there is a, a sort of glitch in our thinking that we think that we should be able to escape suffering, that uh, we shouldn't have to... Uh, to bear a cross, that somehow we should be able to escape suffering, that we, should, that we shouldn't have to, to bear a cross, that there is, is something wrong going on. But it's, it's wrong because inevitably we will all face suffering. Whether that's fair or unfair, that's just the reality it is. If you're not suffering now, if you're not bearing a cross now, you will one day bear a cross. The question is, how are you going to bear it? Are you going to bear it with dignity or dishonour? Or are you going to bear it with self-pity or humility? Are you going to bear it with resentment and anger and accusation? Or are you going to bear your cross with, with patience and peace and acceptance? However you bear your cross, the burden is the same. But the way that we respond to it will make it easier easier or heavier to bear. Matt Galinsky is an example of a guy who bears his cross well. He was a very popular celebrity chef on TV, but on Boxing Day 2011, a fire broke out in his home and his wife and his three children were killed in the fire. And he himself was severely burnt. When he awoke from his coma after several days in hospital and he was told what had happened, he says he wondered why the doctors and nurses had bothered to keep him alive. What purpose could he possibly have in life? But a few years later, after 17 surgeries, he began working with an organisation called the Light Foundation. Every year in Africa... 800,000 people 
suffer severe burns, like Matt did, from the kerosene fires they used to heat their food and light their, their shanties. And the Light Foundation distributes solar panels so that people can safely light their homes. And uh, a few years ago, Matt Galinsky said this, I was lucky to have really awesome care at the Royal Brisbane Hospital, but without that, I would have almost certainly died. What would have happened to somewhere, well, what would have happened with somewhere like Africa, where there is no fancy hospital? If we could cut burn rates from 800,000 to 400,000, that would be amazing. That's evidence of bearing a cross well. We don't know what happened to Simon. This is the last time he appears in the, the New Testament. But Mark, in his gospel, in recording the same instance, adds a really interesting detail. It says, you know, a certain man from Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now you go, why did Mark put that in there? Well, obviously, the people who read his gospel knew who Alexander and Rufus were. They are probably Christians in Rome, we think, but probably doesn't matter where it is. What it suggests is that if Rufus and Alexander became disciples of Jesus Christ, they probably did so because their father, Simon, had become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And somehow that horrible, horrific experience of dragging Jesus' cross through Jerusalem with Jesus alongside him, had transformed Simon's life. And seeing the way that Jesus bore his cross had meant that Simon decided to pick up a cross and follow Jesus himself. Speculation, I know, but I think it's, it's distinctly possible. So that's the first cross that Luke records. But he records a second cross as well the cross of the criminal on the cross next to Jesus. We read in Luke chapter 23, verse 38, uh, verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The word criminals there was reserved not for petty thieves, these were hardened criminals. These were murderers, uh, violent, yeah, violent people, uh, probably not political insurrectionists. I think all the Gospels describe them as criminals. These are, these are bad guys. In a sense, we might even be thinking, we can look at them and say they deserve the punishment that they received. This cross, though, brought out the very worst in humanity. This cross brought out in this man anger, accusation, blasphemy, sarcasm, cynicism. And sometimes we bear our crosses in the same way. It's tempting to, to write this guy off, to think of him as some sort of caricature. Of a, he's just a, a cut-out character, a cartoon character, that people don't really behave that way. But we do. He actually stands as a warning to us that, that when we are tempted to respond to the cross that we bear with anger and accusation and blame, it looks really bad. It brings shame and dishonour on us when we don't wear our crosses well. 
In contrast, is the other thief or the other criminal. And we read in verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, oh, he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man bore his cross well. The suffering brought out repentance. It brought out humility. And and it brought out this cry to Jesus. And then I think in one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible, Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And that word paradise is actually a Persian loan word. It's a bit like cappuccino. It's a, a word that, a beautiful word, that has found its way into the, into the English language. And this Persian word had found its way into the, the Greek language because it was a, such a beautiful word. And it was the word to describe the king's garden. In Persia, in the, in the capital of Persia, Susa, there was a beautiful walled garden full of waterfalls and fruit trees and beautiful flowers and the king would walk through his his garden and they even had a special name for a companion of the king that if the king invited you to come and walk through his garden through his paradise you were known for the rest of your life as a companion of the king it's a beautiful word but not only did was it so beautiful the greeks borrowed it The Hebrews borrowed it as well, and it was the word used to describe the Garden of Eden. And so Jesus here on the cross, this man who has shown repentance and humility, is promised the immediate privilege of being a companion of the king in the Persian Garden. It's no coincidence that the cross of Jesus stands between the two other crosses on that first Good Friday, and it stands as the symbol of those who choose or how people respond to the cross so so one criminal responded with with anger and accusation and blasphemy the other responded with repentance and humility and it's a symbol for all of us that we as we look at the cross we're confronted by that choice do we respond with repentance and humility and so receive the promise of paradise? Or do we respond with anger and accusation and blasphemy and so receive the promise of damnation? And perhaps this Easter will be the time that you will make that decision as to which way you will respond to the cross that stands before you. Three crosses. One cross of Simon two crosses of criminals. But of course, there is the fourth cross that Luke describes in chapter 23. And it was different to the other crosses because this was a chosen cross. Jesus didn't have the opportunity to escape the cross. The Bible tells us he could have called 12 legions of angels to come and whisk him away so that he, he didn't face crucifixion. But Jesus went to the cross voluntarily. 
He outstretched his arms so that he could be offered as a sacrifice for us. But not only is it a sacrificial moment, a moment of salvation, it's also a beautiful demonstration of how to bear a cross in the face of the most horrible violence we can imagine, in the face of blasphemy and mockery, in the face of the fact that as he's dying, the soldiers are gambling to divide up his clothes at his feet. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. The perfect demonstration of how to to bear your cross with honour and dignity. It's beautifully captured in a, in a British movie that came out a few years ago, which was on TV a couple of weeks ago, actually, called Philomena. The story of Philomena Lee, who was a, an Irish nurse who had just retired at the scene of the movie there, and she meets up with this guy called Martin Sex, uh, Sixsmith, who's this sort of hardened, cynical, burnt-out journalist. And Philomena had spent her entire life looking for her son. She had been an unwed mother and her father had committed her to a convent called Ross Grey for unwed mothers, unwed teenage mothers. And she had given birth to a son and she continued to work in the convent to pay for her lodging and for the care of her son until the point where her little boy without her permission, was adopted out. And she spends the rest of her life looking for this son and connects up finally with, with Sixsmith. And using his journalistic skills and his investigative skills, he's able to discover that, in fact, Anthony had been adopted by a couple in the United States. And he had actually grown up to become a man called Martin Hess. He was a, a high-flying um, attorney and he, was in the, he served both the Bush and the Reagan administration as a senior advisor. Unfortunately, though, he died at the age of 43 of uh, HIV AIDS. But it turned out that during his life, three times, he went back to Ireland and back to Ross Grey looking for his mother. And the, 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 nurse, the nuns at the convent had said they had no record of who his mother was and that she probably wasn't interested in him. Finally, he, had, he decided to be buried at Ross Cray with the hope that sometime his mother may come back and look for him and find him, even if it was only in a graveyard. In the climax of the movie, when Sixsmith finds out this horrible story of, of abuse, he, he goes back to, the, back to Ross Cray and bursts into Sister Hildegard's room, and Sister Hildegard sort of bookends the movie. She's both the... Um, the one who was there when uh, Philomena was admitted into the convent in 1952. And she's the last surviving of the nuns who knew both Philomena and knew um, um, Anthony and, and who had lied to both child and parent about knowledge of the link between the two. And Sixsmith bursts into her room in the climax of the movie and accuses her of, of inflicting unnecessary suffering on, on, on all, of these, all these women. And she's, she, she's unrepentant and says, you know, they all deserved it. Unchastity deserves the wrath of God. And uh, she's, she's 
quite unrepentant. And this just gets Sixsmith madder and madder, and he's trying to make her feel guilty and trying to make her feel shame. And then Philomena steps forward and says, quite simply, she says to Sister Hildegard, I forgive you. There's a stunned silence. What? Just like that? Sixsmith demands, outraged. It's not just like that, Philomena says. That was hard for me. But she says, I don't want to be like you, consumed with anger all the time. It must be exhausting. She could have followed the example of Six Smith and being angry and resentful and accusative and blaming. But instead, she chose to follow the example of her saviour. She was humble and forgiving and gracious. And her cross was easier to bear because of that decision that she made. We all bear a cross. And sadly, if you don't bear a cross at the moment, you will, at some stage in your life, bear a cross. And the question is, how will you bear it? Will it be with anger and resentment and blame and accusation? Or will it be with forgiveness and humility? Don't ignore the cross. Anticipate it. Don't take it grudgingly, but walk in the footsteps of your Saviour who bore his cross well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you went to the cross in our place. And we thank you for all that it did for us in terms of our salvation. And if there's anyone here this morning who, who stands at the cross and is still undecided about whether to become a disciple of you or whether to reject you, I pray, Lord, that they will make that decision this morning to become a follower of the true Saviour and pick up a cross and follow after you. But for those of us who walk along the road bearing a cross... We thank you for the example that your cross gives to us. We thank you that in, in Luke we see that there were four crosses and three of them were born well, but one wasn't. And that that serves as a warning to us that, that when we would be tempted to, to be blaming or to make accusations or to be angry about the cross that we bear, that we remember there is a choice and there is a lighter burden when we embrace humility and forgiveness and peace instead. And Lord, we commit our brothers and sisters to you here this morning, Lord. Some, some bear heavy crosses. This morning, some are bearing, uh, struggling with the burden of the cross that they're bearing at this time. We pray for your strength for them. We pray that you will enable them to, in your strength, bear their cross and we pray Lord that they will bear it well and in so doing honour you and honour themselves. In Jesus name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. At Windsor Road Baptist Church, we believe that God is calling us to be a Christ-centered, healing, serving, international community, maintaining unity, valuing diversity and growing in maturity in Christ. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church. God bless you.